Hey, thanks for joining us for this episode. For this month, we are releasing some of our favorite episodes from the podcast in the past. And so, for example, if you're a new listener, this is gonna be some of the best content that maybe you have missed. And so we're looking forward to sharing some of these best of episodes uh, during this month. And then next month, we're gonna be back with all new content from Brian. And so we really look forward to sharing these replay episodes with you, but then also the new content very soon. We are so glad to have you here with us as we continue to advance a reformation of fellowship, partnership, and gospel hope amongst Bible-believing pastors and churches. This is Church Advance with Brian Sams. First of all, Eric, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you so much. I likewise on what you said about uh, meeting there at that meet. I'll tell you this: you're one of those guys that after I met you, I thought, "Where have you been all my life?" I know it's it's funny <laughs> too because when I started preaching and youth conferences and meetings, I mean, it was like we would crisscross. Uh, I may have preached a conference that you had been at, or but or at least around. And, and oh yeah, there were so many crosses. I personal friends with a couple guys who graduated from champion back some in the early days, uh, Caleb Sargent. And then, uh, oh, yeah. Taylor Gillespie was there for a while. He, he ended up being a guy that I trained. And so I just, you know, there's all this knowledge and then all of a sudden we meet face to face and it's like, my goodness, man, we should have been friends for a long time. And I'm thankful now. Totally I'm thankful now we get to do that, man. Yes, sir. I'm pumped. I really am looking forward to, to whatever God has. Absolutely. So today, I, this is what I'm really excited about. I'm excited to talk about the subject of how the gospel makes us courageous, specifically how if you are gospel-centered, <clears throat> it will enable you to be free from the fear of men, and it will enable you to do ministry as you see it laid out in Scripture and as led by the Holy Spirit without the control of other people. And I want you to tell your story in just a minute, but before you do, I want to say this. A lot of our audience, Eric, is uh, guys in their 30s and their 20s, and some of them, unfortunately, don't know you as well because they're, a lot of these guys are either independent or coming out of independent, and so by the time they were thinking ministry in college, you had already carved, <clears throat> carved kind of a different path. And what I wanted to say to you publicly, uh, having gone through that now, is how much I admire some of the things that you did, because frankly, you did it before a lot of people did it. I mean, you did it when it wasn't easy. In my opinion, it's easy to do because there were so many people that weren't going in a fresh direction led by the Lord and kind of uh, moving away from some of the things that they had done in the early days of their ministry. And I know that this podcast is going to be helpful for guys who are weighing in their hearts and minds about how they should lead their churches going forward. And it cannot be about lining up with institutions and playing the good old boy game and, and, and settling with doing ministry in church in a way that you know and deep down in your heart you shouldn't be doing, and it really isn't biblical, but <clears throat> you're afraid for one reason or the other, and the gospel has to make us strong. So 
Eric, start, man, by just tell, tell us about your church and a little bit about your history and your family just to get started. Absolutely. Yes, uh, of course. I'm 56 years old, so I, don't, I hope I don't act 56. I, I try to keep a pretty young attitude, but I, I've been married to my wife, Carol Ann, for 30, uh, 33 years. We have five children. Uh, my oldest son is Matthias. He is 30 years old. He's our administrative pastor here at the church. My second-born son is Josiah. He is uh, he's 28. He's our children's pastor. My third-born son is Ezekiel. And uh, he is uh, a, a senior at Champion Christian College. Uh, Chloe is my 20-year-old daughter. She's a, a junior at Champion Christian. And then we are blessed to have a 15-year-old special needs girl. She's amazing. And uh, she goes to uh, a special school, you know, for her disability. But so my kids are affectionately known. And some of you listening, if you know me, you will know they're, they are Mo, Joe, Zoe, Chloe, and glow. So uh, yeah, it's easy to leave the house. It's just like Mojo, Zoclo, Glow, let's go. And my wife says, we ain't having no mo. <laughs> so, That's great. Anyway, yeah, it's it's great. It's great. We're blessed. Um, you know, I, I pastored this church, the same church for uh, going on, see, 29 years, just celebrated 29 years in July. Or, uh, yes, June, June. I'm sorry, June will be, uh, so this will be our 30th year here at Gospelite, and uh, just, it's a church plant, so we started 1992, June 7th, uh, we were definitely, as you mentioned earlier, we were, you know, what, what I knew was, which, which was to be an independent, fundamental Baptist church at that time, um, planting, you know, with this conception that I was independent, finding out as the years went on that it's probably a lot less independent than I am now, which you find that in in following Christ uh, through through this process, but so it's it's been great. We love Hot Springs. We are you know just really uh, committed to this city, committed to this church, and committed to planting churches. And of course, Champion Christian College came around. Actually, Champion Baptist College came around in two thousand five, and uh, it, it was an amazing thing. I boy, one thing I'll say right now, interject as I introduce myself. I never curse my past. I've learned not to. To, to, to get a critical, ugly, bitter attitude about my past because I'm, in many ways, I'm thankful for, I try to, I try to keep an attitude of gratitude for what God uh, gave me at that time because there's some beautiful things that came out of that. Right. But, uh, you know, we, we, we did transition Champion Baptist College to a, a four-year accredited Christian liberal arts college uh, called Champion Christian College. And so we've been Champion Christian for the past four years, really more like a I think probably more like a Liberty model in a sense with, mm -hmm. you know, degree plans on both sides of the field, whether it's professional studies or uh, ministry, church, church ministries. So, but, but it's beautiful. It's working. It's exciting. And uh, that transition also was, uh, was, a uh, was a tough one, but one that we feel blessed to have taken. Yeah. And the church, I mean, you know, now uh, having gone full swing through your transition is now a part of the, um, Southern Baptist Convention, and so you've gone from really what our listeners would know is more of a Hiles type model of ministry, lots of door knocking, lots of buses, lots of hype and excitement. And I remember those days. I remember I remember following you and hearing you preach, and <clears throat> it was exciting. And and then now uh, into more of a, a model that's ob obviously and totally different. And so that's what I want to talk about. I mean, you 
What, what, what would you say was kind of the beginning of the journey of transition, particularly of you? Because you transition first. You know, the pastor is the one. God does the work in his heart, just like he did mine. When and what were the circumstances that started kind of shifting your mind into a new model of ministry? That's a great question, Brian, and I love to answer that question. And I'm sure you and and myself and others that have made this transition, we love to answer this question because it's our God journey and it's an amazing thing. So, you know, I, I'll try to be brief, but give you a full story here. So, my, I think in the in the early stages, a lot of it did have to do with just not being able to biblically answer some really good questions from my from my children to be honest mm-hmm. i mean my kids were asking questions that 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 i was finding myself being defensive but not scripture based defensive just you know defensive because of my fear of man you know right. what, what, what will they think what will the institution think what will the college think what will i'll lose that meeting these types of things and man i tell you, I, I was bothered by that in my in my spirit. And I'll be honest, you know, I think, although I, I feel like my kids would, would love me today and I would love them and we would have a relationship, but I can assure you without any apology on this stutter stammer, without any, any hesitation at all, I, I don't think I would have the relationship I have with my kids, nor would I, they be in the ministry with me had we kept on that path. Absolutely. I just know that. Man, I remember one of the big changes for me, Eric, and I'm, I'm this con- this could yeah. be a four hour conversation. I'm gonna I'm gonna, yeah, I'm no. gonna stop interrupting. But when I heard my son reading the Bible for his little Becca homeschool that he was in at the time, <clears throat> trying to labor through David and Goliath's story, I sat King James. I sat there and thought to myself, "No, uh, this is not going to happen anymore. I'm not I'm not doing this. I'm not playing a game for anybody. My kids will know the Bible." And they'll love the Bible, and they're not going to think the Bible is something they can't understand until they're an adult. So that 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 man, I tell you, your kids and and the, and the college students and others <clears throat> asking questions. So <clears throat> you start having these moments where you're thinking. So tell me about some pivotal moments then that, in addition to that, just started like shaping. I'm not going to cut you off anymore because this is too good. Yeah. So pivotal moment number one, without question, I'd heard about, I'd read the book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, from Jim Cimbala. Somebody gave me the book. I was afraid to read it initially, you know, I mean, for all the weird reasons, um, but, but I, I read it and I was so moved. I mean, I wept in several moments of that book as I read about some of these incredible stories and uh, of prayer answered and prayer meetings and God moving. And it was powerful. So I decided, told my wife, I'm buying a plane ticket. I'm going to New York and I'm going to stay in a hotel and go to a Tuesday night prayer meeting. She said, honey, where? I said, Honey, please just trust me. I love you. I need this for me. I've got I've got to find out what this is all about. So I flew to New York by myself, checked into a hotel, and I walked three blocks to Brooklyn Tabernacle. When I got there, it was six o'clock. I got there an hour early. Prayer meeting starts at seven. By the way, that word prayer meeting was really true for that church. Right. I think a lot of the prayer meetings I had gone to, I don't even know why we called it prayer meetings. And I'm, I'm trying not to be critical, but it was kind of human. But so I got there and I, I noticed there were lines coming outside the door. I thought it's packed. I can't even get in. I've come all this way. So I asked one of the ushers at the front door. I said, hey, is it full? I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm here. I'm a guest. I just kind of wanted to see if I could go to the prayer meeting tonight. But it looks like it's full. People are coming out. He goes, no, that's those are people that come early for prayer uh, hundreds of people come early and we've been here since noon praying over people and we'll be here till midnight. It's just what we do on Tuesday nights. It's a, I'm like, 
wow. So he said, yeah, go ahead and get a seat. So I go in and get a seat. And I'm just watching all of this happen. At 7 o'clock, Mr. Simbola, Brother Simbola comes out. Hey, welcome to Brooklyn Tab tonight to our prayer meeting. If you're in a line, please get a seat. We'll start the prayer time again after the meeting. Don't worry. Nobody will leave uh, without being prayed over. And I'm, I'm taking all this in. Um, and so we sit down, and the worship begins. And uh, for the very first time, I stood up, and and I'm telling you, I was— I mean, there was a little period of time, obviously, Brian, where I was getting adjusted and, and getting my, you know, the calibration was starting to take place, the recalibration. But I, within a few moments, I was taken away, almost as if, you know, it reminds me of what Paul said about, about that, that third heaven experience. I mean, I was in the presence of Jesus in that place, and it was almost as if I was the only person in that room for the first time. You know, I, I raised my hands in worship and and sang and experienced something that I'd never experienced before. Mr. Simbola got back up after the worship. Uh, he said, look, I feel led just to pray for guests that are here today. If you're a guest, would you would you stand? And I thought, oh, my goodness, I've got to stand in this building. I'm, you know, I'm thinking, what if somebody noticed? I, I, I don't know. I, anyway, I stood up. And then he said, if you're a member of Brooklyn Tab, would you please ask that person standing for 10 prayer requests? We just would like to pray for them. So this African-American lady stands next to me. She says, hello, my pastor wants me to pray for you. Would you give me 10 things? And she had her pad out and she writes these 10 things and she starts praying. And then he says, if you're a guest, would you step out into the aisle for just a moment? We'd like to pray over you. I know this may be a little uncomfortable, but sincerely, he said, we're not, we just this is just what the Holy Spirit is prompting us today. It's kind of the way Tuesday nights go. And, and so they prayed over me for five or 10 minutes. I got back in my seat. So I'll, I'll transition now. I get back to my hotel, call my, my, my wife and say, honey, I, honestly, I, I'll tell you about it when I get home. I'm just, I'm overwhelmed. So I get home, tell Carol Ann, she's, she's beginning to enter this journey with me. She's more hesitant than I am, but she's coming along. So then, so that was my worship prayer experience. Well, then my my expository preaching experience came through Adrian Rogers. I'd heard about this incredibly uh, successful pastor in Memphis, Tennessee, who was a Southern Baptist, who I was, of course, taboo, you know, to be influenced by that. But here's here's what was interesting, Brian, and I'm going to add this as a as a God loves me thing. This was a God God loves me deal. Adrian preached out of the King James. Mm. It was crazy. He mm -hmm. used the King. Now he he also used New King James, and he referred to the NIV. But he he used the New King I mean, the the King James. So that helped me. It was a God loves me thing because I felt like, hey, <laughs> he uses the King James. Right. I can go. Nobody <laughs> will be upset with me. So I go to the meeting, and for he's dying of cancer. Yeah. He's. I didn't know him before. I just knew him when he had cancer for two years. In that meeting, I, there was a couple times I went up to him and just said, hey, could we communicate? I really would love to have your influence in my life. He welcomed that. We wrote a few times. He sent me pic I pictures of him and his wife, Joyce, signed pictures. I love you, Eric. I mean, I cherish those pictures. because for And, I, and I'm going to say this very carefully. The two years of influence from Adrian Rogers was more powerful and impactful than all my years in college. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it was incredible. So yeah. uh, I, I, I went back from that. I preached for a very famous 
IFB preacher the next week. I'm a pretty naive guy. I still am. I, I choose to be because I really want to think the best of people. I just don't. I don't want to go into something. So I go preach for this fella, you know, two, 3,000 people. It's a Sunday morning. We stop at Starbucks. And I say to him, totally thinking he's going to be so proud of me. I say, have you ever heard of Adrian Rogers? And as soon as I said those words, he said, Eric, what do you mean? I said, well, I went to his a preacher's fellowship with him, and he is just amazing. And, oh, by the way, he uses the King James. I'm thinking that's going to get me a free pass to talk about this. And he he warned me that Eric, Dr. Howes, would be ashamed of you. He would turn over in his grave. You're one of his boys. If you go become a Southern Baptist or become influenced by – I knew, Brian, hear me and hear me well. In that conversation, I knew I'm done. Yeah. There's no way that can be – there's no way that that man is not what I saw, heard, felt, sensed. That is a man of God. And so my, that really solidified my journey. And from then until, until – well, for about 10 years, we began this journey of transitioning very – those were the two pivotal moments that God used, Mr. Cimbala and Mr. Rogers, to really bring me to a place that there is – more there's more in this family there's more influence i need there's more books i need to read um and and so there's of course like you said four hours but that's a brief explanation of what brought me to basically a place where we began to consider the sbc you know my wife has been <clears throat> going through some things recently and, and just reading some fresh stuff and learning and, and resting uh through just a, a tough season physically for her she read one of the most powerful books this past week. She read it all in one setting, and she's not a reader. She read it in a two-hour setting, finished it like that, and she talked me through it the next day. We're sitting at the beach. She's flipping through chapter, chapter, and she looked at me, and she stopped me, and she said, Brian, for all these years, we didn't even know books like this existed. And I said, yeah, it's kind of a shame. It's a shame. I said, but no more. Never again. We will, we will learn from the best. We will be partners in the gospel. We will be friends with people that love Christ. We don't have to worry about that anymore. That's a, yeah. just to think that if we, there's somebody that truly knows Jesus as Savior, they believe the Bible is the Word of God. They are preaching the gospel. They're, a, they're not only my friend, they are going to be somebody that I, if I could at all possible partnership with them, I will. And I think, oh. I think that's what, and then, of course, like you just described, when that wall comes down, it's over. <laughs> and exactly. You're now, it's like, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. I, I mean, I don't have any of these hindrances. Now I'm going to truly do some things that I need to do regardless of the cost. That's where courage comes in. So, so now tell me now, okay, you come back, you're starting to feel this way. What are some immediate things some, in, in some of the early days, things that started visibly changing about you and the church culture? You know, probably uh, I'll name five or six things that, you know, in, in order almost. Probably the first thing was my style of preaching. And, and, and I don't mean that I didn't enjoy preaching topical messages and, and that they have their place, but I became an expository preacher. I began to preach through books of the Bible. I began to preach more thematic uh, series of messages. And I learned that from Dr. Rogers. Yep. I, I learned it from following him, reading after him just overdosing on a lot of preaching from him. And so that, that was a, 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 a transition that my people began to notice. Wow. Preacher, you're, you don't, 
you know, and I'll say this, Tonya Cheek, you don't sound like this, this, you know, shallow kind of a, you know, <coughs> same refurbished messages. And, 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 and they were nice about it, but I needed to hear that mm. because, you know, there, there was this, there was this almost fear of confront of, uh, you know, confronting a pastor about anything, you know, because we were, you know, we were kind of the end all be all. So I, secondly, I became more transparent. Mm. I just became transparent. I was honest about where I was at. I began to talk to the church about the journey. I was careful. I didn't, I didn't put too much on them, but I was, I was letting them know. I, I remember Dr. Rogers died two years uh, later and I put his picture on the screen and I introduced my church to Dr. Rogers and let them know, look, this was a great man. He just passed away. Let's pray for him and his family. Mm. Uh, I remember when, uh, Billy Graham's wife, uh, I think it was when she passed away. We also, we honored her in, in a service and we had never done anything like this mm -hmm. before. Uh, and, but, but I began to introduce my church to, to people around this world that were not this small little group, you know, uh, that we had limited ourselves to, to fellowshipping with. Um, I remember we began to transition in some of our music. I kind of tongue in cheek. I put a, a set of drums on the platform and I put them there for three months and we never played them and we just had them up there and I, and I, mm. and I talked through Psalm chapter 150 and I just, we, we talked about the different instruments and I would, I would identify instruments as, as the drums, the, the strings, the, you know, the cymbals, et cetera, et cetera. And I would let the church know that these are gifts from God to be able to worship him. And there are talented people in our church that, that need to use their gifts for God. And so, we began to introduce music very carefully and cautiously and just because I, I wanted to love my people in it. I did have kind of a Titanic because we had a church, a school, a college. I was trying to turn this ship, but I knew I, I was turning it in a Mississippi river. I couldn't, it was going to take forever. And it took, yeah. it took us about five to seven years to do it. We never had a church split. Um, Oh, we lost a lot of staff. I mean, we did lose a lot of people. Our church went from 1500 a week to 750 and our school went from 150 to 50. Our college went from 300 to 30. We took a nosedive and there was a cost, uh, that, that was a pain. It was painful to an extent, but I'm going to tell you this. I, I, I've always known, even in my most painful moments of transition that I was following Christ and to bear this with him was a joy. It yeah. was a joy. And I have no regrets, none whatsoever. Mm. Wow. Okay. So, uh, what were some, were there any verses, like I, I'll share one uh, from me that became very substantive in my courageous journey? Because what you described is courage. If you're willing to do the right thing, knowing, regardless of the cost, and just, I hope our listeners will let that sink in, you, you lose a significant amount of people, staff, and people on a journey to do what's right. That means you're definitely not doing it because it's convenient. You're doing it because you're convicted that this is the right path that we should go, or otherwise you wouldn't do it. And I think far too many leaders, um, whether it's Christian colleges or mega churches or whatever, have to cater to supporters, <clears throat> other people that are calling the shots, whether they would say that or not. But I don't want that. So the, the verse that God really gave me in this was, um, the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever puts his trust in the Lord will be safe. When I came to our church and 
it was a same, almost the same thing. It had a lot of Hiles influence in the back. The pastor take a lot of people to uh, pastor school over the years. No pants on women. Music was stuffy. All, just all of it. Buses. There were more bus kids than there were church members. And <clears throat> I just had to just put my nose to that verse and say, God, I'm going to fear you and follow you above everything. And and the, and, the, and when I fear man, they put me in a box, a trap. And that trap keeps people from doing what God wants them to do. If you're sitting in a cage, you cannot explore, you cannot grow, you cannot expand, you cannot do what God wants you to do. And so many guys listening to us today may be themselves or know someone very close to them that's sitting in a trap, a box, a cage. And I think I, my prayer is that they will listen to the Lord and do what God wants them to do. So is there a verse or anything that you really clung to during those some of those transition moments like that. Well, you just quoted, I mean, you know, the, no question, the fear of man is a snare. It, that was, without question, that really is what it boils down to in a sense of understanding that that is not what God intended for someone who is truly going to hear the voice of God, mm. follow Christ. We we have to do that if it costs us everything. And, and so I read uh, Platt's book, Follow Me, and... I was convicted by that book and it's, it's an old book now. It's been, I think it's the first one he wrote. So Luke 14, 28, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down. And I love that. Sit down, hmm. sit down, contemplate, take some time. Don't rush to this, sit down and count the cost. Yep. And so I did that. I, 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 in that, that verse, that concept of, okay, this is going to cost, and I don't want to destroy this church. This is God's church, and if it's God's will for this to continue to be this very, you know, boxed-in, independent, fundamental, legalistic Baptist, if that's, then I, I don't want, I don't want to be the one who, who just because I'm, kind of a bless God, I'm going to do this whether you like it or not. I want to, I don't, I want to count the cost. Hmm. I want to make sure that. That, that I understand what, what all is at stake here. Mm. And there was a lot at stake. My family, um, you know, we, we, uh, we didn't, and I say this to God be the glory. We, we had to, our church got so low on finances during this transition. We had, I had to with, withhold from getting paid six months. My dad called me up. He's Catholic. <laughs> he's like, he's Catholic. He said, son, I heard you're not, you can't take a paycheck for six months. I said, no, dad, I really need to, we're in a storm. We're 30 days away from foreclosure on all of our buildings. I said, uh, we, I just can't, I, I, everything we've got to go to make this building payment, we're going to lose everything. And he said, son, I'll, I'll send you a check. I'll, I'll pay your, I'll pay your salary for, for six months. My dad stepped in and Amen. my Catholic, he's still Catholic. He's still, he's praise God saved. And it's an amazing story. But, um, so my dad took care of that. I could tell you so many stories that 30 days away from foreclosure, the, the the bank president told me, he said, Eric, look, I understand you're, you know, I, I've heard your story because I told him the whole story, you know, and I asked him if he could help us to weather this storm. And he said, I, I've, I've helped you as long as I can. I, we just can't do this any longer, you know? And, and he said, so if you don't have a hundred thousand dollars in 30 days, you know, we're going to have to foreclose on, on, on everything. And I said, I understand that that's fair. So I went home, got a phone call from one of our man who now has passed away and gone to heaven. And he said, Eric, he said, he was an old country guy. I said, hey, he said, preacher, 
how much I heard, I heard we're in bad shape. I said, yeah, Cliff, we're in bad shape. It, it's, uh, it's tough. I said, I'm sorry for all this. I said, I, maybe just God wants us to start over somewhere. I don't know. Preach to Cliff. I said, I, it's tough. He said, how much you need? I said, a hundred thousand dollars. He did not blink. He didn't start. He said, well, I'll just bring a check for that in the morning. Oh my word. And I went down to the, to the, to the bank, gave him a hundred thousand dollars and we have not missed since then. Amen. Um, story after story after story after story where, where we counted the cost and it's, it was high, but I can tell you, God will not leave his children, uh, with, with, without an answer, without a way of escape. So Mm -hmm. we have been blessed. And, uh, I can tell you now, I, we've never been healthier. Never. And I'd love to take a moment and just tell you about our journey to the SBC. It's not for everybody. It really isn't. And, and I'm not, look, we've got denominationally, we've got problems. I mean, there's issues and things in the convention, but what's beautiful is we are an independent Baptist church. The convention, there's no sign. I've had, hey, I had people at the meeting there and in the gospel say, now, did you have to sign your buildings over to the convention? I mean, great guys that really asked me honestly and sincerely, Eric, now what's it mean to be a Southern Baptist? Do they own your buildings? That's what they asked me. Well, I would have probably thought the same thing. Right. There is all it is, is it is a network of churches that provides you as much or as little resources, help as you want, as much or as little. And so when we began to understand that, and and by the way, Brian, I will admit, I was a pretty lonely guy. I mean, and I, I know that sounds like I'm whining and if I'm not a whiner, but I, I was lonely. I, I was struggling. I just wanted somebody. And I know, I knew I, I had you and I didn't know you. I had a lot of guys like that in the gospel meet. I had, I just, for whatever reason, we were all probably just trying to stay afloat and figure things out for ourselves. And so for me, it was, it was about a six month journey. We had already changed to elder led, an elder led church. So no longer was I the kingpin in this making every decision and no accountability, which by the way, just raw and simple. I had no account. Hey, how I survived Hmm. is only God. Right. You say, well, what are you saying, Eric? That's what I'm saying. I'm saying how I, how I somehow am not completely disqualified from ministry the way that the model was, I have no clue how I survived it. The size ministry, all the pressure now as an elder led church, I am a senior pastor, a lead pastor, but I am one amongst equals as we believe, uh, after really studying the scriptures, this is how the church was designed, you know, to, to be, to be built. And so we're excited about that. Well, the six elders met for, uh, for six months and, and we, we, we just worked through what it might look like to become a part of the convention. And it was slow. It was methodical, but we have found a, a, a network of preachers here in Arkansas um, who have just been so supportive and it's been a good thing for us. The IMB, NAM, all of that. It's been good for us to support it. It's not for everybody. I don't think it's part of the transit. You don't, you know, it's not like, okay, if I, I'm not fully free until I join the SBC false. Right. That's but, good. but it, it, yeah, it, but it is and has been for me, uh, just a tremendous, uh, that's such of- a great point. And I want to, I want to highlight a couple, a couple things you said, and then I'll, we got a couple other questions here. Number one, I love what you said about, uh, 
if this church is not going to transition, then I'm going to find another place to go. You had mentioned, you know, if this is not going to be, yeah. if this is going to stay independent, fundamental, legalistic, I had to cross that bridge too. And if this is going to be, that's fine. I'll leave it to somebody else and I'll go then because I don't want to destroy something ultimately. Right. <clears throat> I think everybody needs to know that's a that's an option. I had a missionary call me, Eric. These, and I'm sure you get this all the time, but independent Baptist missionary out on the road. He said, Brian, I, I know I'm struggling with the King James issue. I said, who's your mission board? He told me, I said, I said, well, I'm a, there's, you got two choices, two choices. One, hide who you are and take the money. And just, I said, I can't do that. But if you think you can do that, or number two, resign immediately from the mission board, start all over again and, and just redirect, reroute, because you can't do, you can't do them. You got to choose. And I think that's a healthy thing. If somebody's on the fence here about create, what do I need to do? There's your choices. You can hide who you are and stay within a system, or you can be who you are and either transition where you are or go into something that allows you the liberty to do that. That's the courageous decision. So that, that's one thing I think is important. Uh, second thing I want to say about the SBC, I put this on Twitter a while back. The main difference between an independent Baptist and a Southern Baptist is that, is that Southern Baptists will actually work together with people that they don't agree with. That's yeah. the difference. Here's the thing people don't understand about the SBC. It is a voluntary cooperation. They don't tell you how much to give. They don't take your buildings. They don't, no restrictions. There's no hierarchy. There's no government, no, no authority over it. If I want to participate, I can. If I want to give to a cooperative program, I can, but I don't have to. Nope. But, but we get to, if you're a part of that, you get to partner with the single largest financial resource available for the Great Commission around the world. So the question is, if a guy from my church goes out to be a missionary, do I want him to go on deputation for 15 years and have to answer questions like, does your wife wear pants and are you going to use the King James in Japanese? He didn't have to answer those kinds of questions because right. that's right. not relevant. Or does he go through assessment, training, and fully funding through the IMB. And, you know, you were at that meeting with me when Johnny Hunt stood up in that meeting and said, we have 1,100, we could fully fund 1,100 church plants in America today, but we don't have the pastors. I don't know if you felt it. There was like a gasp in the room. Oh, that, oh, it was Carrie. Carrie represented how we all felt. That's exactly right. And I felt the same way. And I, I, I told, I was, I had lunch today with Rick Wheeler. He's the, he's the president and CEO of uh, Florida Baptist Financial Services, SBC wing. And I asked him that. I said, man, Johnny Hunt said this the other day, and I, I just, man, I was so blown away by it. He looked right at me and said, absolutely true. Right now, 1,000 churches right now. And it just, it's an assessment, it's, and it's all local church. The local church sends the person. It's not. Yeah. It, and there's so much misconception out there. And in an upcoming episode, Aaron and I are actually going to talk about this, um, about the, the misconceptions of that. But you said it so well, man. That is... That is a path every single person needs to hear that. And it may not be your path, but I think I think independent Baptists need to wake up and they need to see this as a reality. Not something you learned in the 1970s. Not, not, not a battle that Jack Hiles fought in Italy, Texas in 1959. No, 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 no. There were legitimate concerns back then, and I understand all of it. But what is happening in 2021 is different. Than what was happening in 1959, and and people just don't know that, and yeah. it's a, it's a tragedy. It's a it's a it's a 21st century church tragedy, and that's why these podcasts are so important. 
I mean, if we're if if, if if we reach, and I know we're reaching more than one, but I mean, if one person listening to this is st- stirred to begin to inquire, to, to to look into questions, call Brian, call me. Let's talk. Let's go coffee. Let's do a Zoom call. Let's let's walk through this thing together because I can assure you, I. I am, I'm so happy. I'm so free. I'm not, I love the ministry. I, I, I'm not stressed. You know, I, I really mean that I, I, it's unreal what God has done. I mean, I'm shouting it from the rooftops. Um, so praise God. Yeah. So you, you talked about the cost and you talked about the, um, the rewards, you know, God's basically found a way to bring your church back and, uh, and provide for you the network of people that most fit who you are. And that's what I want to transition out of this in. God will, first of all, supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He will make a way. Our church split in 2019, right after we bought a $1.2 million building. Actually, it's $2.5 million. We only owe $1 million. Right after that happened, I mean, it split immediately over all this stuff. And it was tragic, and Aaron was with me. We we didn't lose all of our paycheck. We lost a, a portion of it for six months or four months, maybe. <clears throat> that was the cost. But now, the blessing, the numeric blessing, the spirit blessing. Oh my word! The, and I, I would take that above anything. If we were poor, oh. that would be. But the spirit, the freedom to have the music that you need to have, the the kinds of people in the church. There's a guy that stumbled in our church two weeks ago, one of our good men, and had just slipped in the sin over the weekend, drank alcohol all weekend, had alcohol in his breath when it came to Sunday, but he was repentant. He was broken. He was weeping in my arms. An old, ar- an old army ranger. I mean, a beast. And I said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to walk in that auditorium right now, and we're going to open up this service with our church praying for you, brother, that you'll stand strong. And you should have seen it. It was unbelievable. The whole church piles on this guy. That's that's the spirit of Christ that otherwise in my old, I would have had to probably navigate a bunch of pharisaical deacons trying to figure out how I need to church plan, church discipline the guy uh, for it. But that's that's the freedom to minister and love. And there's so many great stories I know we could all share. I want to take you up on something here. We're going to launch this. Aaron, well, I don't know what the date's going to be, but I'll let you know soon. But when this goes live, the challenge is to anybody who listens to this, if Eric and I can help you, just just email me. I'll put Eric's email address in the show notes as well. And if there's one, two, three, 10, 20 guys that you really would like to get some help moving forward, we'll just, we'll set up a Zoom call and we'll do it. Oh. Eric, Eric and I will figure out a time that um, we could do it collaboratively. We could do that, Eric. I think we could, I think some people could really be helped with it. And I know you're out there. It's why we did this podcast Eric, thank you. Just give me one final, maybe word of encouragement, maybe something you'd share with the, these guys that are listening before we sign off. You know, one of the things that I think I'll mention a final, just incredible moment in my life was, you know, our city had viewed our church as, you know, a nice place, nice people. That seems to be a decent pastor. They just, they don't have anything to do with this. I didn't know they felt this way. But many churches, many pastors, Baptist churches, Christian churches, non-denominational churches, just I, I was here for, for 18 years and had no association with any church in town. None. There was no other independent Baptist churches. Mm-hmm. I was the only independent Baptist church in town. So every phone call I got from a pastor, hey, would you come help us feed the homeless? No, sorry, brother. Uh, thanks for the offer. You know, mm-hmm. every call, every, we were just on an island. 
and doing our thing. We had a prayer gathering in the Hot Springs Convention Center. 1,000 people gathered, 50 churches, and I stood up on the stage, and I looked at the city and looked at the churches and the pastors. I'll never forget this night, and I, I, I repented to the city mm. as a pastor. It was an amazing night. I could tell you that it's got a, a, a really cool twist to it if I could tell you the whole story sometime, but at the end of the day— Erica Pacey stood on a platform in front of a thousand people, downtown Hot Springs, probably 50 churches there, and just said, I repent. Mm. I have been, I have been, I've isolated myself. I've been legalistic. I've been a Pharisaical pastor. And I want the city to know that I was wrong, mm. but things are different. And I love you. If you love Jesus, I'm on your team. And we're together. We may not agree on everything, but you know what we agree on? We agree on God the Father, God the Son and God the Spirit. Amen. And uh, man, it, it, it just reveled. And that moment was so transformational that it's even talked about 10 years, happened 10 years ago. To this day, people still say, I'll never forget when you repented in front of us. I, we didn't expect it. We we didn't need it. But when you did it, it was one of those. I said, no, I needed it. Mm. I said, I was wrong. I had snubbed every believer in this town. That wasn't independent, fundamental. And I apologize. You are my brother. You are my sister. And we are on the same team. Amen. Amen. I, I wish I could have been there. That would have been awesome. Oh. Eric, I, I mean this, man. I'm, our acquaintance and friendship now is, 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 is precious to me now. And I'm excited about the future. And we wish all the best to you. Thank you for carving out time and your busy schedule there to be on the podcast. And I am absolutely confident that this recording is going to make a difference in somebody's life. So thank you, Eric, for joining us. Thank you. Love you guys. Thanks again for joining us for this episode. And remember, we'd really love it if you could leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with other pastors and church leaders that you may know that really helps spread the word about the podcast. The Church Advance podcast is hosted by Brian Sams. It's produced by myself, Luke Clayton, and my team at mustincrease.com. We look forward to having you join us in the next episode as we continue to advance a reformation of partnership, fellowship, and gospel hope amongst Bible-believing pastors and churches right here on Church Advance with Brian Sams.